Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello there and welcome to the show. This podcast is brought to you by Levi Solicitors with a 10% discount on your legal fees, all sorts of services. Find them at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball my name's dan moylan hello michael normanson's with me hello so is moscow white daniel chapman hello you can listen to all our podcasts ad free get a daily email written by moscow's fair hand and a full digital sub for our magazine plus discounts on future merch and magazine specials with tsb plus so if you'd like details on that to get signed up go to the squareball.net forward slash plus these monday night games not a fan not a fan of these boys because we're back in on Tuesday afternoon and we've slept and here we are again talking about the same game we talked about last night. So stop it, Sky. We don't want your filthy millions. We want to have a nice gap and a nice rest between the football finishing and us talking about it again. Anyway, here we are. Uh, reflections again on Monday night's football. What did we miss? We didn't really talk about Calvin. That was flagged up by somebody on Twitter. Uh, how much did we miss Calvin in midfield? Probably quite a lot. The whole centre of the pitch didn't really work for us, did it? Cock had a bad game. Clicked in... Well, he was kind of not playing his usual role and he didn't play as well as he normally does. Shackleton wasn't great. Pablo was all right by the time he was taken off, but none of that middle bit worked and missing Calvin and Rodrigo, who are potentially our two most valuable players in terms of just if we were to sell them tomorrow, that's probably not that surprising that we're not as good without them. I thought you were going to put a value on them and I was going to say something funny about if we'd sold Patrick Bamford last week. <laughs> I did wonder why, with so many changes, we didn't just stick Stroke back in because it ended up because um, Rodrigo couldn't play and there was no option of Rafinha and Liam Cooper came back in, so it meant Luke Ayling moved and Alioski dropped out and everybody kind of shuffled around in different places and it seemed like that was maybe one too many when Calvin was first injured. Bielsa just went, oh, Stroke will play, it'll be fine. And just because he got booked at Villa, didn't make me think it wouldn't have been fine for him to play against Leicester. I don't know if it would have made a great deal of difference if they still would have got past and just gone sprinting at cock exactly as they did, but it seemed like there was there was a lot of faffing about to not much benefit. We have said before, or it has been flagged up before, if you were to criticise Marcelo Bielsa, who in many ways is almost beyond criticism for many of us, it's that often when it comes to shuffling the pack, I mean, it worked brilliantly at Villa but it didn't work so well last night is that you almost break two positions to to fix one he said as much didn't he after the game he said the players were badly distributed in the first half better in the second half but then he also said Leicester deserved to win and it was kind of his fault so he was probably right although I don't know I don't really I'd like to take some of the blame away from him because he's too harsh on himself but it it didn't work who are you going to blame instead Brendan Rodgers and Kasper Schmeichel that's fair don't like either of them the one sort of counter argument to I suppose is we get to see a bit of Jamie Shackleton in the Premier League and see how that works and Liam Cooper and Robin Cock need to sort of we need to see if that partnership is going to work before Llorente gets uh, his groin back in decent enough condition to play so it's one of the the things you have to wake up in the morning after a defeat like that and kind of be mature about it say well we learned things didn't we about ourselves and that's important more important than qualifying for Europe and winning the Premier League, which I hoped we were going to do. What did we learn? That maybe Cock isn't as good as we thought he was. That's not fair. Maybe that he needs more time to be as good as we need him to be. Because he did make some mistakes yesterday. The, the first one, he just doesn't look at where 
Medellier is. If he looks up, he can see that Medellier has moved further out to the right-hand side to give him an easier pass and a less dangerous pass. And then he knocks it inside, he has to run back, and sure enough, that's exactly where Vardy is. But it's fine. I don't feel bad in the same way as I did when we did these things last year. If Liam Cooper had done that against Stoke last year, I'd have been having a meltdown about it. Whereas last night, I sort of went, ah, it's a bit annoying. But we can work on that, and it can be fine still, because we'll still be mid-table, and mid-table's all right for a change. Vardy's good, because he read our whole man-marking thing, and he was very good at, I mean, he was marked by Liam Cooper, because Robin Cock is always the, the free man, and was even in the Times over the weekend talking about it, he was explaining everything, I, I, am, always, I am always the free man, I do this and I do that. So I don't know if Jamie Vardy read that, and was like, aha, I see a flaw in the plan, but... Robin Cock kind of took the battering for it because he was the one who was always kind of slipping on the floor and looking terrified as he ran at him. But then you've got to remember, where's Liam Cooper gone, who is supposed to be marking him? And it's not necessarily criticism of either of them. This is one way you, you sort of point to the opposition player and say, Jamie Vardy was very good at getting away from Liam Cooper and getting at Robin Cock and had a hand in three of the goals and probably would have scored the fourth if, if he'd been on the pitch for the penalty. We were looking for crumbs of comfort when we assembled and did the match ball straight after the game. And actually, there are, and I guess Bielsa will take some comfort from this as well, statistically, and I know you don't win games with statistics, you win them by scoring lots of goals on the pitch at Ellen Road. Statistically, though, we actually had the lion's share of it. I mean, we were comfortably in charge on ball possession, but you do get the sense that maybe Leicester were happy to concede possession to us and then and hit us on the break. But nevertheless, we had more shots than them, far more corners, Three big chances missed, which goes to show that it could have gone another way on another night. And we've spoken before about sofa scores, bar graphs, about attacking momentum. And that second half, overwhelmingly in our favour. So looking at the bare numbers, the bare data, perhaps not as bad as the scoreline would indicate. We do also have to mention that Leicester had five big chances in that game. So 5-3 would have maybe been a fair reflection of it. The problem was their little blips of attacking momentum on this chart uh, represent goals mainly, which is a bit of a shame because it was just wait for us to run out of ideas um, and then score, which which is cheating. Mm. Well, that was the big problem behind uh, going behind so early in the game and missing that chance. Leicester's plan all season has been sit deep and pounce and doing that from a goal up after two minutes when by rights they should have been a goal down in two minutes really Change the game and it is kind of like an alternative reality. Bamford scores that header and then Leicester can't just sit and wait. They're the ones, they have to change their game. Our game pretty much stayed the same because we just attack whatever the situation is. But they, as soon as they were ahead, just rub their hands together and say, right, we'll just stay back here. Oh, we'll have another one. Great. We'll go further back up yours. And then the third goal was just illustrated it perfectly. We attack, 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 attack. And then because we've got so many players forward, and James Madison's got a really good brain and uh, Jamie Vardy and it was under, wasn't it? Made a really good runs. All they needed, they only needed, we had how many? We had 15 players attacking their goal at all times. They needed two with one person to pass to them. And that's kind of, it's what their, their game is. And we unfortunately played into their hands in the first two minutes. This is one reason why I'd like Bielsa to stay on for another year, apart from the fact that I love him with my entire being, is to see how he evolves this the, this plan, his plan A, how does he change it to, to mitigate against outcomes like this for, for next season? Do you think he'd just stick to the same game plan and maybe hope for having fewer injured players, maybe a couple of extra new players? Or do you think he may learn from this and adapt accordingly? I think he'll see it that the failing was an individual one and that we should have scored and then they scored. And his plan will be to get the players to do it better and maybe get some better players to do it. And he will have a better players to do this with if he's got a full-strength squad once we get Rodrigo and Calvin and Adam Forshaw back in the team. Don't laugh, Moscow. It's, it's, it's true. He likes Forshaw and he, he would be playing him. He would have played last night, certainly, if he was fit. So this was a weak team and we can reek right down the middle of it as well. So I think Bielsa will not change anything off the back of this, but he'll just try and do things better. Forshaw probably would have played well if he played as well. He is decent and he's been in the Premier League before and he was good for Middlesbrough. When we were in, when we were out with myself as a smoggy, when um, Middlesbrough were in the Premier League, he was more than adequate. And yeah, I think you look at the players who weren't there, we've not even seen Llorente and uh, we have seen Rodrigo and we like him very much. And um, 
Rafinha obviously is uh, this year's Ballon d'Or winner in waiting. So put those three on the pitch. It's very different. Add Calvin into the mix. Have um, everybody else's head screwed on. Even just, I mean, matches click. That was like his second game for us ever. The first time he'd started in Calvin's position. And I think that's one of the things that we kind of learned from it. It's not really the plan. Stick Stroke there. What's the worst that can happen? We've seen Stroke there a few times. He's been fine. We've seen Click there two times, one and a half, really. The half was good. The full game, bad. So go with Stroke and we'll beat Crystal Palace handsomely. Interesting to see Bielsa's comments or hear them rather in the wake of this. And he did take responsibility for it, particularly um, in the first half. The players were badly distributed in the first half. On my part, better in the second and also, just summing it up nicely with the uh, when asked about the steep learning curve in the Premier League, he's, he's gone to my school of coaching. He says we need to defend better and attack better. And yet, it's hard to argue with the logic, isn't it? It's I, I would argue because he's not mentioned the midfield, and the midfield was the worst part of it. Well, they do so both he's, midfield he's, attacks and defence, don't they? So they, they fall they fall into both categories. It needs its own verb. What, mid- need, midfielding. Yes, we need to defend better, attack better, and midfield better. That was what was wrong with last night. I'm enjoying Bielsa at the moment. He's giving very matter-of-fact um, answers to things. Like when they said Bamford's having a good season, he was like, the season's only just started. How can you say he's having a good season? We'll you, see. You see Brendan Rodgers channeling Fat Frank as well. Fat Fragile Frank. Because I'm a British manager, we probably got lucky, Rodgers told reporters. That is the way it works for British managers in these games. I mean, where's that come from? This, did that just come out of his mouth just for no apparent reason? Was he just the first thing... Somebody said, congratulations, Brendan, brilliant win tonight. Your team were fantastic. Well, nobody's going to say that to me because I'm British. Uh, we just, are you all right? <laughs> it's, it, it, give, I've not seen... Give my regards to Frank. <laughs> we're, we're about as biased as you'll get because we are a Leeds podcast and Bielsa fanboys. And we all said Leicester did, that, did really well there and had a good game plan and beat us fairly. And then Brendan's having a little hissy fit. For some reason. His whole personality and demeanour is just horrible in general, um, as far as I always see. But as an actual manager, I mean, he near as damn it had Liverpool winning the league before there was any such thing as Jurgen Klopp. I mean, Celtic's easy, but he's doing all right with Leicester. They were good last season and they're, they're good now. And looking at the game, like the, the move to bring James Madison on, we said in the match ball, yeah, good tactical move. Went, like... This sort of shit is better. I mean, Bielsa is in a bit of a... I wonder where his, his head's at at the moment because he is giving very straight answers where it is all, you know, the, the Bamford one. He scored in the last game. It's possible for him to miss chances in this game. Yes, that's I, correct. I, I think he's almost... This is a backlash against his increased media duties, this. I think he probably hates every single minute of it. Yeah. So he's doing as little as possible to get it done with. But what you don't get from him is what Brendan's done there which is spill over what's obviously been nagging at him for the last week where whatever happened in this game he was just going to say this in his post-match interview anyway and it's like don't give yourself away you've got to be a bit a bit tougher than than this if you're going to survive in the the Premier League media spotlight it's just a strange thing for him to have said after such a, a good win when nobody I mean I don't know was he was he watching Pochettino on Monday Night Football before and waiting for him to say something nice about him and didn't get it? Concentrate on the game, you fool. Or don't. I mean, I suppose you won. I mean, whatever works for you. I'd like, you said before, um, Marcelo Bielsa like, stays around for further seasons to, to progress the game. I'd like him to stay around for further seasons and just stick the nut on Brendan Rodgers. Just <laughs> headbutt him. Because he's kind of evolved into cuddly granddad, as we've said before at the podcast. Just to see him lose his shit like he used to do in the olden days. He's kind of mellowed with age, but to suddenly one day just toss a hot coffee in someone's face. <laughs> I was going to say grenade in the dugout. <laughs> while, we've, while we've still got them, before we have to replace them with those rally seats, just get one rattling under the roof and see them all scatter. <laughs> it'd, it'd redefine the definition of the term limbs, wouldn't it? Christ. <laughs> Jesus, steady on, Marcella. What have you done? Brendan Rogers' teeth flying everywhere. <laughs> what else were Leicester saying then? We've been digging around uh, overnight to find out what the reaction's been like from uh, from their um, fan media. Very reasonable, unfortunately. They all seem to uh, be pleased that they won and say we were quite good as well. No direct comparison to the angry Villa child who's watching it with his mum. No, sadly. I think because they won, I guess it's easier to be nice about people when you're beating them, isn't it? We 
we sort of do a bit sometimes. You go, oh, it's nice, nice that they tried to play football, isn't it? As we uh, as we put three past them or whatever. But um, yeah, no, they were generally quite nice. This the first clip is from For Fox Sake, which is quite a nice, quite a nicely named thing. Is it about the biscuits? It's good to see Leeds back back in the Premier League because let's be honest, they're a big club. Um, they've had a lot of shit just lately, you know, mainly through shitty chairman and stuff like that. But they're on the back, they're on the up, they're on the up, right? And it's great to see them uh, back in the Premier League. They, we need we need teams like Leeds in the Premier League. I do like his enunciation. It's quite it's quite theatrical, isn't it? Maybe we should learn something from that. I feel like I'm standing at the entrance to a tunnel. I can't see the end. But I can hear that voice echoing towards me down it, and I think I'm not going to go in. <laughs> there was a nice bit of acting at the start of his clip as well, because he's obviously done um, a little promo, which we which we wouldn't be adverse to, actually. You know, those little home beer pouring things from Beerhawk. He pretends someone's putting the comments, he goes, what, what, what's that in the background? Oh, it's from it's from Beerhawk. It's a uh, game in 10 pints, uh, pour, draft beer at home, and he does it, he delivers it quite nicely. So he was generally quite balanced. Can, but- just, can I just say, before you continue... Beer 52 have done sponsorship for us before. Yeah, and you kept the fucking beers, didn't you? I drank them all when we got promoted, but Beer Hawk, hello, we're waiting. We turned them down because we had the Beer 52 sponsorship. We're waiting again now. (laughs) (laughs) We told them it would be awkward because we couldn't do both. We can now. (laughs) Keep us off the streets. Cheers. I mean, we've done it. We'll just invoice them for that. Uh, I mean, that same guy, he was was generally fairly measured, but then he got talking about... um, Elan Meslier and his his brain went to strange places. Why have Leeds got a paper boy playing in goal? He looks about twelve. He he doesn't even look like he should be knocking one out yet. I I I, I, I don't know. I know he's a French under twenty one, but I don't expect him to be a French under fucking thirteen. You know what I mean? Papi Airboy, I think you'll find. I know these French lads like the wanking yes. at any age. That's a bit. I, I know he's a French under twenty one who are notorious for masturbating there's many a <laughs> many a team hotel has refused to have them back i'll tell you what but, that, those exchange students as well oof, <laughs> had to burn that bedroom after uh, those sheets after they uh, they came to stay but, he's very young looking it, that must be said but he's not heard his voice presumably has he if, he if he'd heard those tones he would know that he's old man all testicle judging by his <laughs> his voice uh, Beyond the 90, which is another Leicester YouTube thing, they were also impressed by us. They look like a very, very good team, and they were. If you look at a team like Arsenal, for example, I'd say Leeds were a better opposition than Arsenal were. The, the amount they tapped the ball, they hit the, they hit the corner of the post where it probably would have gone in because Schmeichel was rooted to his spot. And there was a couple of opportunities where I thought, oh, this could be a goal, especially when Bamford got, got in on it. Got in on what? <laughs> The goal, we're better than Arsenal, was the summary of it anyway. Which Arsenal is shit. Yeah, that's true. I've been for years, and so I'm not having that as a compliment. They still, finish, they still managed to finish like 7th or 8th or whatever, yeah, I don't know. Premier League's a joke though, isn't it? So we can I mean, still scum, finish above them. Where did Scum third last year? Yeah, that was... Yeah, fucking look at them. That's because they're like six penalties every game though. It was It was done through cheating. Yeah, I'm not sure I like this new age of fan being kind about us. Particularly because I, I don't know what... The, the Leicester accent sounds like it's supposed to be a little bit baffling, isn't it? It's neither here nor there. But if a Yorkshireman talks to you, you go, ah, yeah, you're from Yorkshire. Hey, up, or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's kind of vaguely northern, isn't it? But without being obvious. I mean, does anybody from outside Leicester support Leicester? Because I've genuinely asked that sincerely. I don't know. They've never really seems to cut through, and yet they are actually good. And have often have been. It's quite strange when I was, I mean, winning the league was one thing, but even before that, they were kind of, nicking around in Europe with Emil Heskey and Muzzy Izzet and Neil Lennon and Martin O'Neill being the manager and even when they went up with Brian Little when they had the brilliant likes of Mike Whitlow and Simon Grayson and um, Bobby Davison, really the glory days that most Leicester fans look back on and that's when um, there is a, there is probably a generation of fans out there who, who watched that team in the early 90s and still have posters of a young Simon Grayson on their wall and murals of a young Mike Whitlow on the outside of their house. You're asking if um, if they've got any, any foreign fans. Uh, he actually is from Leicester, it seems, but uh, Engelbert Humperdinck, I didn't even realise he was from Leicester. I mean, does he count as not being Leicester because he's been around the world a bit? I don't, I don't know. Do you, do you lose some of that? But Gary Lineker as well, I guess he he went to Spain for a while. Maybe, maybe he counts as an out-of-town fan now. People who have been abroad, they won't get any foreign fans, though, if Steve Nicol keeps intervening the way he was doing with 
with Leeds. It seems like, I assume we went to Steve after this match, assuming looking for more opinions on Leeds United, but he's actually just doing his same act. Whereas, oh, they might be good, but they're not. About Leicester. We've been kind about them. They've been quite kind about us. Can Steve Nickel be kind about anything? I don't think so. Listen, when they're, when they're flowing and the movement's great and Vardy's on his, on his game, then they can create and score goals, no question. Uh, but I just, I'm not sure that they can be as consistent for a whole season. Yes, they've got quality. Yes, they're good to watch. Uh, I just don't think they can sustain it for the whole year. Did you enjoy your lovemaking to your to your wife, Steve? Well, but it's over now. Everything that's alive that you love will be dead one day. So just remember that. Dead or on fire. He does like fire. There's a Steve Nichols story that I have found. The headline gives you some of it, but not all. <laughs> the night Steve Nichols set Liverpool teammate Gary Ablett's wife on fire. I don't know about you, we're in an era of clickbait these days and I really need to know more about that. That sucked me in. Go on. That one does work. Remember, the only, the only problem with clickbait, to make a wider point about the media, is when it doesn't deliver. A snappy headline that then is followed up with this kind of story is fine. Um, Nickel writes in a book, which I'm sure is a riveting read and not at all boring, I ended up <laughs> sitting beside Gary Ablett's wife at the time. I wonder why. Well, maybe discover why they're no longer together. I and, killed her. <laughs> well, I mean, let's not get ahead of ourselves, but I ended up sitting beside Gary Ablett's wife at the time, and after the meal, washed down by several bottles of beer, I was lighting up a cigarette at the table while, at the same time, staring at Debbie Ablett and her huge lion's mane of hair. Thank God that's where you went with that. I was wondering for a second. Like a child, I was fascinated by it. Then... For some inexplicable reason, I decided to see what would happen when I put my lighter next to her rather large mop. Um, it's a fucking psychopath. I'll set a woman's hair on fire. It is, ri- it is written here. I'll tell you what will happen, Steve. Especially, <laughs> it's, you'll torture. It's the 1980s, so I mean, there won't be a shortage of hairspray. Which... I mean, d- d- has nobody heard of the Michael Jackson Pepsi commercial incident? This perhaps explains the next word and why it is woof. It went up like a ball of flames. It's a pyromaniac. Uh, <laughs> what will happen if I douse this factory in petrol and then light it? I wonder. Oh, look at it. Isn't it beautiful? I started bashing her on the head with my hands. And then a hammer. To try and put the fire out. What the hell are you doing? Inquired Gary Ablett, not knowing that one day his name would be a nickname for drugs. Understandably, with more than a hint of anger in his voice. <laughs> Thankfully. I was, I was able to stop the flames before they caused too much damage. At least, he says, that broke the ice after the disappointing results earlier in the day. And it was good to get together again at the funeral a few weeks later. But yeah, I mean, his, uh, Gary Ablett's <laughs> wife at the time, I don't know if she um, she just decided she'd had enough of his fucking psychopath mates and was better <laughs> off divorced and with a full head of hair. But um, yeah, so there's, there's Steve Nichol. So Leeds United won Leicester 4 anyway. At least no one got set on fire. This week on the Phil Hay Show podcast that's coming later on in the week, we will be getting Phil's reaction to the Leicester defeat, but also giving you the chance to pitch a question at Phil via our WhatsApp channel. So if you want to do that, pop this number in, 07899555459, or head to the squareball.net forward slash WhatsApp. That'll do the business for you. It'll open the app. It'll fill out the number. Then leave us a voice memo with the question you want to ask the haymaker, and we will put a selection of those to him later on in the week loads of good stuff as well uh, to read on the athletic if you want to catch up with all phil's scribblings at the minute uh, stuff on the leicester reaction that he's put on there particularly focusing on the emptiness of ellen road which it's not as bleak as it sounds but it's quite emotive is that you can read all phil's stuff on the athletic plus loads of football and sports coverage from around the world the athletic is a pound a week details at theathletic.co.uk forward slash the square ball it's theathletic.co.uk forward slash the square ball sad news emerging over the weekend then about marius jalukas dying at the age of 36 which is absolutely cruel isn't it and the report suggests it was motor neurone disease um that claimed him played 16 times for us in the 2013-14 season we've all had a good laugh at the performances against rochdale and he became something of kind of a, a synonymous with with the sheffield wednesday defeat that was awful but it's been nice to see that clip of that amazing last ditch sliding tackle 
against Watford doing the rounds. I think it's people are being nice, aren't they? It's horrendously tragic. Um, and he was he played in a very bad Leeds team, didn't he? Let's be honest. I don't think anyone came out of that season with any credit. So um, yeah, just incredibly sad. He was actually decent at first. The Sheffield Wednesday thing is kind of unavoidable because it did happen and it was awful and he was in many ways hilarious when I uh, went and found a bunch of those gifts that I made after that that game one of which became very popular on a Sheffield Wednesday forum the one of him just back heeling the ball into his own penalty area and it's perfect like the tv production at the time is perfect because the shot immediately changes from a close-up of him playing this back heel and then it flicks and you see the whole penalty area and realize he's just backheeled it to a Sheffield Wednesday player and at the time maddening but then you know time passes we get into the Premier League and you know it is true one day you will like look back on these things and laugh but his early impact when he first turned up I used the phrase in the propaganda email Pontus 1.0 because we had a similar feeling I mean the defense that season was Jason Pierce and a 23 year old Tom Lees and we had Scott Wooten None of whom, I mean, Tom Lee's, I will defend until my, my last breath, but none of whom was really performing brilliantly. And that tackle against Watford, which was uh, was shared around the place, was not untypical of his early appearances. There were things that he was doing and commitment that he was showing and ability that he had that none of the other players in the team seemed capable of coming anywhere near. So we had that little bit of hope, but then it was Leeds United and the someday somebody will be able to put the whole full story of the Sheffield Wednesday match and the Rochdale match before it into into its full detailed disaster. I mean, I, I don't even know what that would be, but we know that the headlines are Cholino had pitched up, that McDermott was getting all the, the pressure from GFH and the things that were going on, whether the players were even being paid at the time and the, the takeovers in the offing and everything that was going on probably had as much to do with the team just becoming terrible as it marries Salute as having a, an off day did. He got caught up in a, a very, very bad time at Leeds United. But when you hear Hearts fans talking about him and Rangers fans talking about him and remember who he was in his first few games for Leeds United, I think it was probably our loss rather than his. He had a, a very good career um, and he's not the first and he won't be the last who then tried to continue that at Leeds United and realised not the place. Don't want good players here. Go elsewhere. Unless you can stay, if you're going to back heel it into your penalty area and do all kinds of crazy shit, then you'll fit right in. Thoughts, obviously, with his family. I know they're probably not going to be listening to this, however, but it is the right thing to do. It's the right thing to say. And we'll move on to something else that's a pretty heavy topic, which is the continued impact of COVID. We're seeing the number of cases that are getting reported in the UK kind of going through the roof and all that. And from a football point of view, in a football context, it means that whatever hopes we had of getting back into the stadiums before Christmas, I think, have gone out of the window. What do you think the club should do with regards to what season ticket money? That They've got a fair amount of season ticket money. It's hard, isn't it, with it being a constantly evolving situation to say, right, well, you should issue a £200 refund now, or, or should it be 300 or 50% of the tickets, or what, what do we do? It feels like there does need to just be an acceptance that this year is is definitely a write-off because they're not we're not going to end the next lockdown and then go all right straight back into stadiums and certainly if if anyone is back in at all this season it'll be a limited number i think it's we're at the point now where it's people's jobs are going to be in a bit of a pinch there's christmas coming up it would probably help people to have some money back and i think a lot of people would turn the money down they'll say you can keep it on credit we'll move it forward to next season or whatever but i think to give people the option it's getting to the stage where it probably is now the right thing to do yeah optional is probably the way forward because it is still a very awkward situation. It feels like few, if any, people are going to be able to get into a, a stadium uh, this season. But equally, it could. There's no way of knowing that March isn't going to come around and say right, and the season goes on till middle of May. Ah, oh, you can all go back in now. It's fine. It's just it's the way that the whole pandemic has been handled to now doesn't give you any sort of confidence of being able to predict what's going to happen in the future. So if you're the, the club, you probably have one scenario where you can say, yeah, we'll write this season off and we'll refund everybody all your money. But then March, April comes around and suddenly people can go back in, but they've given all the money back. So how do they decide? And it, is, it, it all becomes 
very confusing. I think the the easy thing to do from their point of view, maybe the logical thing would be just wait until we actually have some certainty. Because if we know that next season we'll be able to start and everybody can go and it's 40,000 crowds from the kickoff, then great, it's simple. Then you roll over the season tickets that people bought for this season and they all get in next season and it's it's all fine. But then where there is the problem is, as you're saying, there's people struggling for cash. You have it tied up in a, a football club that can't let them in to make any use of the money. So some kind of middle ground, whether it's kind of offering a refund of games missed up to now um, and doing that kind of on an ongoing basis of like, say, well, OK, you couldn't come to the, the Leicester game. You can have the money back for that now or you can have it for credit against next season and then. But it does just then become, I mean, maybe there is a, if we're talking about creating employment opportunities, somebody who can fucking handle the, the nest of trying to unpick who's had how many refunds for what matter. Okay, so you got the money back for three games last season. So your season ticket next year, you need to give us this much money, but we've changed the prices. So pro rata, you owe us X. And then you've got to do that 23 and a half thousand times. Yeah. So you can, you can kind of understand from the club's point of view why they want to go like, like, can we just keep it until we know what the fuck is, is going on. But then the, the pressure that people are under where having that money back could be very useful. It's a shit situation from all angles, isn't it? I feel like they just need to draw a line on it and say like, we place our on the 12th of Jan. We're not going to be in for that. And that'd be eight games. They could just say, right, if you want, the refund for that first chunk, do this thing, and you can have it. We'll sort, we'll get it sorted out for you. If you don't do anything, we'll just keep it on record, and you'll be passed forward to next season, have it as credit, whatever. We'll deal with it later, which I think is what most people will probably choose to do. But I think I just think it'd be the right thing to do to to offer people the choice. Well, the issue that's attached to this is pay per view, of course, and the stink that that's caused. And you know, on the one hand, I think we understand that I think football priced at fifteen quid for a top-level match is not unreasonable, and I think that's probably the basis on which the decision's been made. However, it's not an issue that stands alone, is it? There is the money that's tied up in football clubs, and the most loyal fans are the ones who've got the season tickets, who've got the TV subscriptions, who have Sky, have BT Sport, still don't know what's going on with their money. Uh, They're paying through the nose for the TV coverage as it is, and then to be asked to pay another 15 quid per game doesn't sit right, does it? And uh, clubs that are not televised as often are going to bear the brunt of this a lot more than clubs that are. So we'll probably be all right because we're going to be somewhere in the middle because we get shown quite a lot. Same for like Liverpool, Man United, all those clubs, Man City. But like Burnley fans, somebody's worked out, you know, they're going to be charged something like 60 quid over the next month just to be able to watch their team on pay-per-view. I mean, that is their fault for playing dreadful football to an extent. But no, you're right, it, is, um, it isn't fair. But they are talking about scrapping it now with, with lockdown two on the way, so... It seems like it would probably be a good idea. I mean, I'm not sure how much of a success it's been. I was trying to find some audience figures on it, and it, it seems to be reported of average audiences for the pay-per-view are 39,000, which they're saying equates to like half a million quid a match. But I'm not sure. Normally, TV audiences are done on a bar panel, which is like a, a sample of people who watch it, who record what they're watching, and then that'll be prorated up. So that'll be that's inaccurate in the first place. And if, if there's four people in a household watching it, that accounts on the viewing figures for four people, but it's also only one payment. So Well is that was that audiences though, because they should have very granular data on how many they've sold, shouldn't they? That they don't we, seem to be publishing that. Well I don't think they will, will they? Well it was in a report in the Times that subscriber payments for I think the most they'd had was a hundred thousand for a game. Lowest was ten thousand, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, but well less than ten thousand. Burnley versus Brighton was one that was after the figures that they'd mentioned in the the meeting, but was expected to have less than 10,000 paying customers, which... It's not worth it, really, is it? You not could, at that you price. You could probably make more of advertising revenue or something rather than charging a, a group of angry people that much money. And it's interesting to see um, Andrea Rattrizzani kind of buzzing around the topic in the interviews he's been doing in Italy, where he's talking about how subscriber television in general or the traditional kind with Sky and BT is kind of plateaued that it's not seeing any subscriber growth and that there's he's basically implying that it's a it's a, a dated model and he's talking about if you notice we, we announced a tie-up with some app that does that kind of disseminates uh, material from um, club websites and he's been talking about apps like score update apps now they all have millions of users um, and we use them like we look at um, info goal for XG stats and all that stuff. So he's saying every, all those different kinds of apps, millions of people have them on your phones. 
use them as a distribution network and make the games three euros. And that's kind of where his head seems to be going, which is a million miles away from anything that anybody at the Premier League seems to be interested in, which makes you think either it's the best idea in the world or it's a terrible idea, but either way, it's probably never going to happen. But I think that's one of the reasons why BT and Sky and the Premier League are keeping such control on the 1495 pay-per-view prices, because if you said to the clubs, right, it's all up to you, suddenly Andrea Rattrichard is nipping around, he's signed to deal with some mobile app platform and he's, he's selling Premier League content for two bucks a throw and the whole thing then collapses and you can't have somebody like him going crazy but it's interesting to see where his his mind is at with it and, and see why they can't just let him run with it. It's quite indicative when you look at how the Premier League sells its TV rights as well because they're vastly overvalued and we shouldn't complain because it brings a lot of money into Leeds United and it's enabled us to sign the players that were watching trotting around Ellen Road this year so there is that caveat but they could launch their own platform because to all intents and purposes the, the media output from the Premier League is centrally controlled I think it's IMG isn't it who do all the Premier League TV and the central distribution and stuff so they have the means to do it so they could put out a Premier League channel and do an app for selling it around the world but there's probably more money in distributing it through third parties so they're not going to ever want to devalue their own product by suddenly dropping it to a fiver in the UK are they? It's all leveraged off the back of selling other stuff isn't it that's the thing with Sky and BT you're buying a phone package and you're buying your broadband with them and all that sort of stuff and then you get the football as a it's not exactly an add-on as such because it's it's a lot of money but it's it's part of a package whereas the actual value of just the games there's no real reason for it to arrive through a dish anymore you can you can watch it however you want but it's it takes away all of the cash that's which that's like sloshing around for broadband packages and stuff so i can't see the premier league particularly wanting to stop the uh, the overinflation of the prices for that reason. And the daft thing about it is where all the money ends up because it just goes to players' wages. And we know that from looking at every club's accounts where it's the percentage of turnover that just goes into the, the pockets of players is ridiculous. And at some point, zeroing in on the fact that 1495 has to be the price because, to choose an example at random, Frank Lampard is not rich enough yet and so has to be paid a wage to prevent interest from where's he going to go? Is he going to go and manage in China? He's welcome to go and manage in China if he wants, if there is a um, a salary there that will keep him in the manner to which he um, has been accustomed since the day he was born with a silver spoon sticking out of his ass. But it is, that's the, the whole model is players and agents have to be paid this extraordinarily extortionate amount of money that is there to be paid for them because people are willing to pay those subscriptions and the the audience is there for them but you do wonder as we're talking about everything kind of resetting and whittling down and who's going to have what cash left at the end of the pandemic if the river is an end at some point you do just look at Wayne Rooney and think could you just do this for free now because your bank account surely is I mean it's really Cristiano Ronaldo does not need any more money and it's a fact he's earned he's you know every right to every penny that he's he's earned but he doesn't need any more and what good is what good does giving him any more do when i ain't got any i'd like some <laughs> and i'd do i'd do better things with it than cristiano ronaldo would so it's it's all football's just backed itself into this ridiculous corner and one other um thing to come out of lockdown 2.0 that's kind of being announced today is it does mean that although the Premier League is, is going on and the, I think down to step six is going on, the Leeds United women have got, have got to pack it in now as well for the next month at least. There's only the um, Women's Super League and Women's the Championship are carrying on and then below that they've just got to stop. When? What's the risk there? What was the problem with them playing football matches at Tadcaster? I'm sure if, you know, I suppose that, I was going to say if no Leeds United players have been at risk, but then Rodrigo's got it from somewhere, hasn't he? Those, no, I'm not those in, pesky women. I'm not implying it was the Leeds United women's team. I'm sure they've kept a very healthy distance from Rodrigo. Um, Thank you very much, Leeds United ladies. Thank you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. To continue on that theme, but return to the football, Palace on Saturday, and this one is on on pay-per-view, which is nice for uh, the company that's going to be on the receiving end of the money. Mm. Yes, good for them. Will we be watching it? Yes. Good. Watching this one. Excellent. They do need the money because they've got to keep all those windows clean, haven't they? Oh, dear. <laughs> yes, they do. They do. Sorry about that. Uh, is it safe to play this? Because, I mean, yeah, football's all right being outdoors, but inside a big glass structure. You've, I think you've milked it, that one. It's gone. Uh, can't clean a palace with milk. You can try. Selhurst Park. What do Palace do? Just defend and hope Zaha scores. And that's really it. The dead boring to watch. For some reason, I've got it in my mind that they're managed by Roki Eriksson, but it's not him, is it? What's the manager called? Roy Hodgson. Roy Hodgson. Who? Who's Roki Eriksson? He's, um, ask your dad. He's a singer of some kind. <laughs> but he's not the manager of Crystal Palace anyway, but I couldn't, I couldn't switch my mind from him to the actual person. They are um, one place behind us in the table with an, an identical record for matches, played seven. Uh, they've won three, drawn one, and lost three, but they have an inferior goal difference but they are also on 10 points. It doesn't feel like they should be on the same points as us because we are media darlings and we are the best team in the Premier League. And what's going on there then? Well, they they just don't have any shots and are somehow in, uh, got the same many points as us, which I like say that's not fair. They're 18th for number of shots, 18th for number of passes. They don't want the ball. They don't want to shoot, but they do sometimes score. Uh, I'm not quite sure how they do it. They seem quite good at defending. I think it's... it's I mean, Roy Hodgson has been around for a little while, hasn't he? All that bloke Moscow thought. He was, a, he was the leader of the 13th floor elevators. Oh, good. Yeah, now, yeah, you, yeah. now yeah, you yeah. say that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, They've got a young lad called Andros Townsend playing from as well. Ah. I might remember him. I think he's, his hairline seems to have come down since he was at Leeds. Cause he, mm. was, he had a very big head, didn't he? He's like, it was a proper five head, wasn't it? Mm, he's, he's, I think he's had the old transplants in a bit, and it's, um, it seems to have worked its way down his forehead a bit. Since he got into this game, he started doing podcasts, hasn't he? I think it's the weight of the headphones that's uh, altered the shape of his skull. You know, they, some, we know they grow those watermelons in square tanks. Is he maybe sleeping in some sort of head brace to push it <laughs> inwards? Head brace. Belts tightened around it or something? Uh, like binding feet. <laughs> Andros' his head. Uh, I'm not sure I can abide by their midfield having a MacArthur and a McCarthy in it. That's going to be confusing, isn't it? Would you rather it was four schlups? Yeah, and the other one to mention in this is Joel Ward, who we very nearly signed from Portsmouth when we got the... Um, all the Portsmouth um, flotsam and jetsam, but he would have been the one we kind of probably wanted. I think he was the most expensive one, wasn't he? So we didn't get him. At like, a whopping, what was it, £400,000? Yeah, I think we went Van Dog instead. Varney, Pierce and Ashdown, wasn't it? Oh, and Norris, we got all of them, didn't we, from, from there? And they were all shit. Um, but I'm pleased Joel Ward's had a successful career in the Premier League. Good for him. It is uh, him and Andros Townsend's departure from Leeds, of course, was when he, uh, he did the dirty on Neil Warnock, didn't he, by going to Birmingham behind his back. Didn't tell him, said he was looking forward to the weekend and then at the weekend he was playing for, was it Lee Clark's Birmingham that he went to? I have a feeling. Systems. It, systems. It may have been, um, I mean, talking about looking at uh, Palace's system, it is an absolute, you don't see many 4-4-2s. I think um, there was a bit of murmuring a couple of weeks ago when everybody was uh, going on about Leeds United being brilliant to watch and us winning loads of games. That point was made that Crystal Palace high in the league 
doing well, why aren't they getting all the praise? And it's because, you know, they're fucking terrible. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> they're winning games, but you don't want to watch it, do you? Locked style of play. Play with width. Long ball. Attempt crosses often. This is whoscored.com, Consistent first 11. I mean, is there, a, is there a more boring strength than consistent first 11? Especially when it's 4-4-2. Playing in their own half is a style of play. I mean, <sighs> what's the point? What is, I mean, just give it up. Hand back your share to the Premier League. Just concede defeat now. Pop yourself back into the championships. Play this football. You're fine. Just leave the beauty to other clubs. Is that what we're saying? Is that the message right here? I mean, Steve Morrison scored two goals when we played Palace once. That should have been the day for them to shut down. That would have been enough, wouldn't it? Just be like, ah, oh, okay, now this has happened. We've, we've seen, there's really no point. They used to be exciting, you know, the nickname, the Eagles, they were the team of the 80s. They had Terry Venables and Vince Hilaire and they had a sash across the kits and there was the, um, they had Virgin sponsored them, which was funny because it meant they had Virgin written on the shirts and Ian Wright scoring in the cup final against Scum and Mark Bright, Nigel Martin's Tash. All the excitement, and it's all just gone. Tell you what I'm furious about with Palace as well. You, you'll probably both know the answer to this question. What colour is Palace's kit? Two colours, primarily. Red and blue. Correct. So why have they got red and blue on all three of their kits this season? Furious. Absolutely furious. You want to avoid kit clashes with red and blue for your away kits, but both their away kits, the white one and the black one, have both got red and blue on them. Idiotic. Do, do they still have sponsors that make it look like they're in a game of Wipeout on the original PlayStation. Yes. Good, because that's been the best thing about them. I mean, I said that without any knowledge of it whatsoever. I just assume that it's that big W thing, is it? Oh, no. Oh, they used to have, like, Japanese writing and stuff, and it looked really cool. They may have changed it now. I hope they haven't, because that's that was, like, the last thing for them, between them and just closure. I hate Palace. It's, it's a nightmare to get to. I mean, I know there's no fans there, but I've always associated it with awful travel. Because you've said before, I think, Michael, it's one of those clubs where you get to London and you think you're there. And this is where we show our northern monkiness, isn't it? You think, oh, it's London. It's not London. It's way beyond London, isn't it? It is. It's like arriving in Leeds and then still having to get to Liverpool or something. It's it's ridiculous. It's such a long trip. And when you get there... It's like, like these airports that like Ryanair fly into, isn't it? And it's named after <laughs> Milan. And actually, it turns out it's, it's one whole town over in a different region. Yeah, and it, there's not much there when you, you get there either. You want to get to the ground and get out of there pretty quickly. The other thing that uh, is worth mentioning is that their kit is not currently made by Bukta. So another reason why they've, they've just lost their own history. Uh, what should we expect from this game? Should we expect a Leeds United victory? I mean, I, I foolishly predicted that we might get something out of Leicester, despite my own misgivings. This one, I feel a little bit more confident. It feels like, I don't know, maybe because... Selhurst Park is so out of the way, I feel like almost like the world's not watching us. We can just go away and get, go about our business this weekend. And it's on Saturday afternoon, so we're not on telly officially. And we'll, we'll kind of just, just settle back into it and get a nice victory. The perfect crime. I was optimistic last time, and I'm, I'm not going to make that mistake again. So we're going to lose 1-0. Zaha will win a penalty. Andros Townsend will score it. So this is just you not necessarily being negative, but just reverse jinxing it. That's fine. I understand. I know you work now. Right. Uh, what do you fancy for this, Moscow? I fancy beating the crap out of them, and I think we'll do it. We're back to sort out the utter mess that is the Premier League. Uh, we know it is better for our presence, evidenced by the fact that they never shut up about us. Um, they're obviously keen on Leeds United fixing this shambles once and for all. However, we are here to sort of tidy it all up for them and offer solutions. Let's be proactive about it. So this bit is called What's Wrong with the Premier League? What's wrong with the Premier League? The brave British lads are having to play dirty foreign cheats. Not again. Yep. And I think Bielsa's part of the problem here as well. Obviously, Brendan Rodgers has tried to get this off his chest this week as well. Um, but yeah, did you see Mo Salah diving? Whereas <sighs> Terrible. The foreigners. Thankfully, Harry Kane can cleverly draw contact and win penalties. But mm. um, them foreign lads need looking at. I mean, Grealish, he's a sacred cow, isn't he? You can't even talk about Jack Grealish. Very clever. And he... He initiates contact does Jack Grealish in a, in a very smart way, which will be good for in the World Cup for England. Mm. Uh, but but you you know your Salas, your Mane's, you you any Argentinians, you know what they're like, don't you? The mm. Italians too, dirty foreigners. They've brought it over here, haven't they? Yeah, like a off a ship, a disease. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then Tony Cascarino thinks it's um it's been got so bad it's actually taking away from England's World Cup win uh, of yeah. some 50 years ago. Uh, 54 years ago now, actually. 54 to put a number on it, 1966 was. 
Uh, but I'm really glad to see died in the wool Irishman Tony Cascarino upholding those proud English values. That's that's what it means to me. That that World Cup win obviously sits very dear to him because he was talking about obviously Nobby Styles passed away a few days ago, but he contextualised Mo Salah's dive around. It's an affront to the principles of Nobby Styles and his World Cup winning teammates. I mean, Nobby Styles wouldn't know if he dived or not because famously he couldn't see. He couldn't see past the nose on his face. It was his his game. He just he could see the ball and nothing else. So a player could have dived. He wouldn't have the first idea. I don't think he would have been upset at all. Cascarino's picked on completely the wrong person. He's talking about how uh, the game, as it was played by the England team of 1966, will be gone completely within the next 10 years. Well, 10 years after 1966, Norman Hunter had already clouted Franny Lee for diving. And Franny Lee, not Argentine, as far as I'm aware nor influenced by them. He played for Derby and uh, Manchester City and Norman Hunter spotted him diving for a penalty. And he was famous for it. I I did the story I wrote about Hunter punching him, the famous fight and the, the history around it. And there was um, a book had just come out written by a referee who was talking about the the players who he had looked after on the, the pitch. And he described um, Norman Hunter as, you know, honest you always knew where you were with him if you told him to not do something he'd stop doing it but he would always push the rules and try to get away with a foul but he said Franny Lee just a diving cheat basically and that's in 1975 we're talking about an English player cheating and Tony Cascarino somehow seems to have missed has he missed 50 years does he does he think you've got it all wrong Moscow you've got it all wrong we need to go back to the values of 1966 and adopt more things from it for example we had pre-decimal cash in 1966. What was it? They, they decimalised in what was it? 1971. Let's go back to it. Let's get rid of the rubbish money we've got now. And I want pounds, shillings, and pence reinstated to show what our values are all about. And how do you write the pence? LSD. It is, isn't it? Yes. So which bears no. It should be PS uh, P. But it makes <laughs> no sense. So we we want a world where you write D for P. And do you know what else we used to have in the 60s? We used to have polio. And I think we should bring that back. In fact, talking about diseases and ships, I bet foreigners probably caused that too. Fairness. Bring back polio. Racism's made a bit of a comeback, hasn't it, lately? There were actually, when I was um, researching what was going on in 1966 to write those really crap jokes, um, there were race riots, yes, in 1966. So some things don't change. Big love to Levi solicitors, as always, for their continued support with the Square Ball podcast. They've been around for 85 years 85 years of legal excellence behind them, and they are a lead company. So get on board with them, give them a little bit of love, because they support us here, and I'm sure they would appreciate it in return. Transparency on their fees, you know what you're paying. All sorts of great services, for example, around new build residential properties, uh, professional negligence. They've got legal cost services for business, licensing, debt recovery, Loads of services all listed on their website. We'd love it if you could take a look if you have legal matters at hand. And as a listener to this show, there's a 10% discount for you as well. LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Heroes and villains now then in the final part of the podcast. First is the Ken Bates Villainy Awards. Somebody who's done bad for us over the last seven days. The rules of this one, it's a long-standing feature. Ken Bates has to have the first nomination and Ken Bates' original OG, Chelsea Ken Bates, doesn't do much these days just probably sitting in his apartment in Monaco, muttering, you know, shouting at the telly, muttering out the window. Whatever. Old enough to masturbate, I think we can all agree. Are you volunteering for that job? or No, he can do it himself. It's just a throwback to the Melier thing. Um, yeah, big uh, big election in America this week. Obviously, there's a lot of hype around Trump, but no one, as far as I can tell, probably the mainstream media not covering this one, but the Casper Wyoming Ward 2 council elections are also going on at the same so, time so ken bates who is the councilman there he's, he's up for re-election is he because i don't check this shit this is your thing he is, he's got one of there are two as far as i can work out there are two slots he can go for and there's only four people bothered to to go for it he's going on a dog park seems to be his main mm. uh his main uh election pledge a dog park on the west side of town so he's up against what are these names you've written down here we've got oh what a name that is kyle gamroth yeah Sounds like dungeons and dragons vibe yeah, I'm backing Gamroth, to be honest. He looks fairly innocent, but I think he can mutate into something else. He looks too clean. No, Nobody should wash that often. Have you seen Lisa Engbertson? She, she looks... All she business. I uh, see. I think she looks like someone's mum on Facebook who's had paid for one of the glamour shoots. She's got like sort of a Vaseline on the lens kind of vibe going on with her picture. And then Edris Allen is the other one. So uh, he looks fairly normal on his picture. So 
I'm kind of hoping he wins. I, I, I want to see. I want to see Ken Bates booted out. To be honest, because of what he did with his Facebook page when he unilaterally decided that he didn't want people mentioning Leeds United on his every single post. Uh, so I, I just think we need to get our own back. And if if you're listening and you're in Casper, Wyoming, uh, vote Alan. Is what I'll say. But, and, but, uh, but let, let, no, let, no, let's let's keep people informed. I think we need to offer balance here and find out what is it that that Ken's standing for because. If we don't know that, then you know we, we don't want to be seen to be like you know Russians interfering with an American election. So, what is Ken saying? We we need a dog park in the west side of town. A lot of families have been asking for an indoor park for kids in winter. And wait a month, and we can use a few more restaurants in the west side of town. Malaysia and Casper is one of a, a thriving, economically diverse, and permanent community. One day there's a good balance of average small businesses and large corporations. And I believe I can, I can help this forever by holding CEDA as their stated purpose. I don't know what CEDA is, but um, it's an acronym of some sort. And goals and assisting them when needed to further those goals. So that's not enough reason to vote for me. I suppose vote for Gamroff. <laughs> More restaurants on the west side of town. So you want, you want a Denny's. All right, fine. Good. Um, who else do you want to nominate? Just Alvin, did you call Alan Edris? Mm. His name's Edis. Edis. No R. Oh, okay, right. I've written that down wrong. <laughs> um, I've not paid as much attention to this election as maybe as I. I feel like you don't care enough. Done. Yeah. If we are going to tell people to vote, though, for him. Vote Alan, to... I said. Vote Alan. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Back to the business then. Who else? Michael Appleton again. No gots. Gots. Unused sub. Is this three times now? Three weeks in a row we've had to nominate him? Just play him. We're going to be going full Enketia at this right, aren't we? Play him, for fuck's sake. There is a, he has a rival in the misused Loney stakes because um, Harold Kuehl of Oldham Athletic dropped Alfie McCalmont and they won, which is an even bigger insult. It was only at Gillingham though, and Gillingham are fucking terrible. But he didn't even put him back in for the next game, which they lost, so that serves him right. But um, it's between Appleton and Kuehl for me, and I think um, if it's a worse person competition harold generally comes out ahead but we've lost rodrigo this week and for the palace game at the weekend due to um well somebody's diseased potentially aren't they so is he definitely going to miss palace or is he potentially back i I think did um bielsa not say in the wake of the leicester game that we've we're missing him at the weekend as well i didn't see that i thought because he's only isolating because he's had he's been near someone isn't he? he's been near some some one well one of the lead ladies team who's got a disease is what we've managed to discover earlier they're Leeds United women. Show them the proper respect, not Leeds ladies Sorry. anymore. Sorry, they have, they have diseased women. Come on. Yeah. And I, what I don't like is your prejudice, prejudice in the women. And we all know it's probably the dirty foreigners who've given him this. That's true. It could be either or, couldn't it? One of his, one of his mates over here. <laughs> God knows. Yeah, but one of them. Rodrigo, just hang around with, hang around with the squad and no one else, please. Yeah, have no life away from, from Leeds United. But to be fair, I think Bielsa tries to make sure they don't anyway. Who else? Regular nomination, but Frank Lampard again. Still still going on, isn't he? Still seems to think he's been... I mean, he's right that he's been treated differently. It's just not in the way he thinks. Um, he thinks that um, people a lot of people question him getting the job, and obviously he's not happy with that. People seem to have been questioning the fact that he's got a job that he didn't deserve, and he thinks that should have not been talked about at all. Different because he's English, isn't it? He's gone a bit Brendan. I mean, I know Brendan Rogers is not English, but it's the same um, argument. I think sometimes we just have to judge people on face value, like we judge any manager. It doesn't matter where you're from. I think all managers should be judged the same, apart from me, who is special. I judge Frank Lampard on face value, and my judgment is that he has the face of his famous father, and that has helped him in every walk of life that he has ever tried to to enter. If he'd gone and had a career as a bank manager, everyone would say, oh, Frank Lampard Jr. has gone and done very well for himself. A, a self-made man isn't doesn't he deserve everything that's come his way? What's that? Frank Lampard Jr. has ended up managing a Premier League club based on nothing other than his name. Any time he comes out with something like this, and I don't know if people, you know, if the the younger generation remember Frank Lampard, the young player, you'll find on YouTube the the press conference Uncle Harry held when he was Frank Jr.'s manager. And Frank's dad was the assistant manager and the West Ham fans were getting on his back. And he went on a big, long rant defending Frank Jr. and saying everybody should get off his back. And vindicated in one sense because Lampard did turn out to be a a decent player. Did he though? I mean, that shot 
everybody goes on again about that shot in the European Championships and if we'd had um, goal detection technology. Was it the Championships or the World Cup? Yeah, Germany, wasn't it? That yeah, game, yeah. The, you know, everything could have been different. If he'd fucking hit it properly and it just stayed in the back of the net, we wouldn't have needed any goal decision and a good player would have done that. But the point is he uh, was being defended from a very young age by the establishment and continues to be protected. And if he does say he doesn't want to be treated differently, fine, disown your father. Um, <laughs> repent against your change uncle. Your, change your name. Yeah. Go, go do a full Cat Stevens. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Rebrand. <laughs> You're no longer Frank Lampard. Start afresh. And he is now Cat Lampard. No, he's not a Lampard, is he? He's Frank Cat. <laughs> anyway, um, good luck to Frank when he gets the England job inevitably after Gareth Southgate. Um, and then complains about how he's being treated. <laughs> for being English. Right, all right. Um, who's going to have it this week? Rodrigo's filthy friends. Mm. We could have used him playing, couldn't we? Mm. Yeah. Who was it? Somebody breathed. They shouldn't. Stop breathing. No, don't do that. Don't disease our players. We need them. We don't have that many of them. Right, on to the Andy Hughes Hero Award then. Who are your candidates this week? As we were talking about Frank Lampard and managers who are um, doing a good job, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Yeah, good on him. I think he's really earned a shot at that, to be honest, given his track record. You've seen, you've seen the job he's doing in Europe. I know it's not going brilliantly in the Premier League for him, but it'll turn around. You've got to remember, Scum nearly sacked Ferguson, and they kept, they kept faith in him, and they just need to do the same with Solskjaer. Ten-year mm. deal for him. It's where they've been going wrong. They were too quick to get rid of Moyes. They're going to make the same mistake with Solskjaer, and that can't happen. Uh, who else? Joffy. Joffy Gerhardt. We're talking about needing Rodrigo back, and maybe... I'm pleased, like I just say, we know we mentioned Lynn, his mum, before, um, and that she had quite a... A fan club within the more mature Wigan fan base who liked her. I'm glad that this has not been pounced on too badly with the Leeds fans because she looks really nice. <laughs> You're part of the problem there, Dan, very clearly. <laughs> He's good, though, isn't he? Yeah, and if um, Rodrigo can't play and if Pablo's going to keep spitting his dummy out, then give Joffy a go. What can possibly go wrong? I very much enjoyed when he arrived at Ellen Road seeing his kind of boyish puppy fat around his face and I wonder what several months under the tutelage and uh, under the whip of Bielsa and the fitness regime at Leeds what they've done whether they've got him looking stick thin I mean he still looks fairly little and boxy but he also looks brilliant like dancing around people on the edge of the box scored a couple this week as we beat Palace in the under- with an actual a genuine youth team as opposed to the, the piss take of playing Pablo Hernandez and Rafinha that we did the week before but no it looks really good I want to see him play which uh, get Eddie Gray in and he'd play him yeah it's time, isn't it, after that defeat to Leicester? Eddie Gray time, play the kids. The pressure is coming from from every angle because we paid £30 million for Rodrigo. And what did we, we pay? A million for Joffy? And um, Rod- Rodrigo's diseased. Joffy's not. And uh, Sam Greenwood, although he is injured at the moment, he cost a fee. And Pat Bamford needs to look over his shoulder because we do have another striker now, one who scores goals. Although it could just be the Ryan Edmondson factor and uh, Greenwood will be playing for Aberdeen soon as well. But... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm all for piling undue amounts of pressure onto the shoulders of a young man and throwing him to the lions at Elm Road. I don't think I'm putting pressure on him and you've got to remember that there are no, no lions in the stands they're empty of cats and otherwise unless until Frank Lampard visits with, with his Chelsea team um, not putting pressure on merely saying that he could be the person to win the league for Leeds United this season That's he should thrive It won't be Barry Douglas though but we would like to nominate him because he's He's shown his dedication to playing football because he said, you know, football's a short career. I'd never um, rest on my laurels. This was speaking to the Lancashire Telegraph. Could have stayed at Leeds, but didn't. He said he was. we wanted him to stay, apparently, which does fit because everyone was saying he was just a nice guy and good to have around. But And we I don't, don't have any left-backs. Yeah, there's that as well. But it's quite nice that a player actually wants to play football. I feel like quite often Premier League footballers are not too arsed as long as they're just there. He's never played in the Premier League. I think that's the, that's the tragedy of his story. Well, I know, but nor have a lot of like Chelsea youngsters. I mean, I haven't. They're, they're happy to just be Premier League footballers. I haven't played in the Premier League either. That's the tragedy of my story in many ways. And he has, as we said when he left at this history, and he talks about it, that going to Poland and then going to Turkey, he's always accepted odd challenges and taken a a career path that not many would. And um, certainly most of the Leeds United team, you'd imagine, would need to be dragged kicking and screaming away from West Yorkshire. Whereas 
to Barry Douglas's credit that he couldn't wait to get away. Hold on a minute. What what are we nominating him for? Heroes. Oh. He hates Leeds, but at least he's been honest about it. So well done, Barry. <laughs> we like you too. You're all and right. And he's gone to, uh, there is a little bit of Leeds over there because he's been managed by Tony Mowbray, who is basically, it is a bit yeah, of a... The human elbow. It's a shame when we look back at the 2010s at Leeds United that we never got round to giving Tony Mowbray the, the job because I think he would have done a good one and he would have loved it. I remember seeing him in, um, he was in a jewellery shop in the Victoria Quarter while I assume his a spouse, at least a woman of his acquaintance, was buying some jewellery. And he, you could see in his eyes he was thinking, yeah, oh, I could I'd live here. <laughs> I could live here. I like this. Look at this. Yeah. He was going to like drop Jason Pierce and oh. build build a team around Zaliukas. He was there. He was ready to do it. Could have, so much history could have been so different if only... Mm. We we ended up giving it to Hockaday instead, didn't we? If David, I'd still if David Hockaday could be manager of Leeds United, Tony Mowbray could be manager of Leeds United. There were plenty of other candidates. Mike Whitlow, quite a uh, a fallow week for heroes because we lost against Leicester on Monday. So can we think of anybody else before we close this off? I mean, stick Dallas and he scored, didn't he? And he's been very good for a very long time. And mm. Plays everywhere and plays left back. So in many ways, he forced Barry Douglas to leave, which is good because Barry Douglas wanted to leave, so he's done him a favour. Is that it then? Dallas, Douglas, Solskjaer, Galhart. Give it to Joffe. Pile that pressure on in a, in a week when we've not won a game. You can put it um, above his cot. <laughs> what about we give it to Lynn so she can look after it for a while? Till he's I don't want to know what you want to give to Lynn. I'm <laughs> worried about your Lynn this, Lynn that. Better than passing it on to Steve Nickel who'll torture your head. <laughs> uh, is it Joffe then? You're not allowed to be Joffe's dad. <laughs> I don't want to be his dad. Oh, Joffy, you know, the, the Dreblin's fine, but is that sustainable? People are going to get bored of you after a while. You know. your, your mother's looks are fading, Joe. That's <laughs> what, what every teenage boy wants to hear on ESPN. <laughs> oh, dear me. Right, well done, Joffy, and good luck for the pressure we've just dumped on your shoulders. Well, I think that wraps it up for this week, doesn't it? Let's hope we're back with uh, more joyous matters from Croydon at the weekend. If you're not yet involved with TSB Plus, our new sub package, do check it out. See if you fancy it, thesquareball.net forward slash plus. We'll speak to you next time. Bye-bye. The Square Ball Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.